Welcome into Poke the Bear, episode 157, which is brought to you by our good friends over at FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com backslash Boston to get up to $200 in bonus bets. $200, Connor. That's Connor Ryan, if you didn't already know. And I'm Evan Marinovsky. Connor, how you doing? Evan, uh, I'm, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here as well. I am here as well. Uh, I think Bruins fans... Uh, rightfully are sad hopefully maybe like you know remember the phrase uh don't smile don't cry because it's over smile because it happened i almost said don't cry because don't smile because it's over cry because it happened i guess that'd be more like you know like a matt valesky contract or something yes um but this is not that uh patrice bergeron announced his retirement tuesday morning uh we said all off season uh one of these days we're going to open up twitter see the old uh you know statement from david Krejci or patrice bergeron you knew when they said it was a statement it was actually a very well written essay uh, that patrice bergeron put out through the bruins um obviously he does not have social media i think he's probably doing the right thing there without uh with no social media he might be onto something there um but uh retired and did his press conference on wednesday uh I did a video for uh, kind of like a for Bruins rinkside, just kind of explaining my reaction to it. What's your reaction to this? Yeah, um, probably a little bit surprised. I think when we were talking about this all throughout the offseason, I think we all, again, just off of what our our gut feeling was that he was going to come back. And it's kind of like the reason why, well, one of the reasons why he said he was uh, retiring kind of falls in line with what we were thinking where it's like, for us, he's still too good of a player. You know, he's still playing at such a high level that it doesn't, it seems like it, it's in the cards that he come back for a 20th year, playing at a high level, help, you know, uh, go back in that, you know, dependable role in the top line. But on the, you know, opposite side of that token, it's kind of what Bertrand talked about um, uh, on Wednesday when he was, you know, seemed really at peace and happy with his decision. It's, you know, for him, it's, he retired on top of his game, right? Like, of course, you would have liked the storybook ending of how that year went out. But again, unfortunately, those kind of endings are usually, unless you're like a guy like John Elway or what have you, they're usually uh, saved for Hollywood and those kind of stories. But for a guy like Bergeron, in terms of just all that he's accomplished uh, over his career, uh, to still play at a extremely high level, um, win a, a six Selkie trophy, um, and to go out as you know the, the best two-way forward, not just in uh 2022 23 but you know of all time i think it's not a hot take to say in terms of what he what he brings out there on the ice uh that was important to him and you know for a guy who you look at early on in his career you know before his career got off the ground could have been uh, pretty much grounded because of concussion issues for you know it, it sucked that he had that uh back injury very late in the year but for him, it wasn't like, you know, it's a recurring knee injury that, that saps you of your ability to play or a back injury or what have you. Like he still walks away from the game as one of the best players in the league while still not having to sacrifice his long-term health in the process. So for him to to step away, spend more time for his family is more than deserved for a guy like him. Um, but yeah, in terms of just the, the impact and the news itself definitely I think probably a bit surprising I think probably for both of us uh in terms of uh him uh decided to hang up his skates and now it's uh setting kind of the the agenda for the rest of the not off season because you're kind of at the, the end of it now but just setting the tone I think for this season in terms of 
Bruins have their work cut out for them, but also I, I think when you look at it, we've mentioned this before, if anything for this season beyond just the obvious being it, you know, viewing it as a bridge year, I think we're going to get clarity, right? We're going to see what some of these younger guys are made of. Can guys like Pavel Zaka and Coyle uh, step into other roles? Like, well, we'll touch on that in a little bit, but I think ushering in this new era, you know, for years and years, the Bruins have had the ability to fall back on guys like Bergeron and Krejci and Chara. Time has passed now. Time to step into that next era, and we'll see what they're made of. So it's it's going to be a fascinating kind of uh, transition here. But, uh, again, just looking at what Bergeron has accomplished, I mean, what more can you say about a guy who's kind of given his all for this team? Yeah, I feel like Bergeron's been celebrated so much in his career, and and you can't really you can't say enough. Like I, I don't think you can really say enough about his impact and his career. But I think media fans, the team did a pretty good job in his last five years. I would say of kind of appreciating how good he was. You know, like the yeah. documentaries and the and and the celebrations and you know, you know, St. Patrice and things like that. Like, I think people didn't take it for granted. And, and I think people understood his significance. Um, I mean, there were calls to name the Selkie trophy, the Bergeron trophy, like, you know, six, seven years ago. So I think people enjoyed it. I think people appreciated it. Um, I think, you know, you look at the impact he had on their culture over the last 20, I think the culture he and Zdeno Chara and David Krejci set We'll probably, you know, if the Bruins are lucky, last the next 20. And, you know, you look at yesterday what he said about uh, retirement, you know, quote, there were a lot of things that influenced me, but obviously the main thing is probably the body and spending more time with the family. I've always wanted to and told myself that for me, I wanted to play the game at the highest level that I could. And I felt like I wanted to leave on top of my game and feeling good about it, but also thinking about the future and knowing that I want to continue to be able to spend time with my family, but also being active and doing other things and other endeavors that I've always wanted to, but I've never really had the time to do. And you could tell, I mean, I, you know, he mentioned during the press conference that uh, there were times this year where he felt there was a better chance than not, that this was it. Um, I know, you know, Ty Anderson pointed out on Twitter that uh, that video with all the guys Talking in it, all the teammates. I I, I was not at, at breakup day, so I can't attest to this. But uh, the, the outfits were the same, so maybe that maybe they were just happened to be. You know, they recorded it a couple days ago. The guys just happened to be in the same outfits. Um, but there was another part of the quote. It, it, you know, I don't have the the quote in front of me. I don't want to have to like scroll through. But there's an interesting thing. I don't know if you caught this as well. Bergeron mentioned, you know, when it came time to uh, skate and get back to working out and things like that, the the fire wasn't quite there and mm -hmm. I credit to him for realizing it. I think the worst case scenario would be, he came comes back this year kind of in it. Not really, you know, maybe his play takes a dip. He goes out on top here or, or you know, on top of his game. And, you know, it's so funny because you hear people on the radio and you see the occasional, you know, Twitter repliers, you know, like the guy that jabroni Mark Madden. I don't know where he works or, or who he works for, but he's been on Dude, the, the it's your arch. It's your arch nemesis city, Pittsburgh. I know Pittsburgh and That's I have a is. history. It's Mark Madden's up next. It was that uh, it was that, you know, basement comedian before. And now it's, you know, uh, Mark Madden. Uh, I, you know, I don't understand the anti like people love people love to to take a beloved figure and go on the other side and just be like, yeah, he wasn't really that good. And it's like. You know, like I heard on the radio, people, you know, who was better, Crosby or Bergeron? It's like, 
who has been making that argument? Who like, the wh- fuck has been comparing those two guys over the years? I have crazy. never like, heard them compared before. They're just both good Canadian centers. I don't know why we're we're putting them against each other. It's like the best player of like his generation versus again, like Bergeron is a a top line center, a Hall of Famer, but there is a gap between those two guys, right? <laughs> yes. Like it's and that's not again a disrespect when it's involving a guy like a Crosby or a McDavid or or what have you. Generational like, talent. Those are the breaks. Or how it is. It's like no one has ever made that argument. No, I, no. Who is who is writing that story? Who is spending time debating that? And 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 who is picking Bergeron? I would love to know that. Um, but legacy wise, I mean, the best two way forward ever. Um, just an incredible leader. Uh, I know for many years, obviously, it was sort of him and Chara co-captaining. It would have been cool, I think, if Bergeron was captain for a little longer. And that's not to say like strip it from Chara. I just mean you know. What was right. it? Three years uh, Bergeron was captain. I feel like if you ask if you ask fans, you know, who are who are younger 20 years from now and they know about Bergeron's impact, I feel like they'll be like, oh, he was captain for what, like 10, 15 years. Right. It's like, well, he kind of was, but technically wasn't. Um, let's dive into this because uh, we both said our thing. The Stanley Cup element of it. Um, the I feel like the only and this isn't even Bergeron's fault. It's, it doesn't rely on doesn't go with this. It doesn't just fall on him but it would have been so cool for that core to get one more cup that core of bergeron and krejci and chara and rask it would have been so perfect for just one more cup and i don't know i mean i don't think it hurts his legacy that it's only one i don't think people like oh you know what could have been i mean you look at the consistency and excellence in his play and in the team's play and i think that you know that that adds a lot to it yeah, I think you kind of, you know, you can be impartial and you can make the argument this core should have, you know, had another championship or two, right? And I think that's that's fair. I think once we get past all these guys retire, we can look back on it and, and see kind of this window and wish a few more things fall their way, which again, you're looking at the most unpredictable probably sport out of the, the big four in North America in terms of, uh, you know, the recipe for success and how things kind of fall your way. But um Again, if you want to say that Bergeron should have done more in a thing to uh, win another cup or two, it's like you can, you know, point out a whole bunch of things. You can only like 2019, sure. Uh, the O'Reilly line was better than that line in 2019. You look at that game seven, like, like we won't absolve them. Like that is a pretty rough look for a lot of key people in terms of how that, that game played out. But also look at the fact that, you know, that, that line, uh, below them with David Krejci and DeBrusk have like Carson Kuhlman and David Backus on there. They're like if the Bruins went all in and got, you know, guys that are rumored to be after like Mark Stone or what have you, maybe it's different. If they trade for Ryan McDonough a year before that, like, again, you can go through all these shoulda, woulda, coulda. In Rick terms Nash of doesn't for, retire due to concussions. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, like before uh, you look at that Chicago series in 2013, where I think everyone after they lost that series was like, ah, shucks, Chicago is better. Pretty close series. And again, Bergeron, I think, had four goals in the first four games of that series. And then literally played through, what, torn shoulder, cracked rib, punctured lung that then collapsed. Like, literally was not going to be able to play if it went to a game seven because of it. Like, you know, there's so many other things that play into it. So, yes, yeah, should they have won? Of course. Like, you look at just how good this core is. In fact, you had some of these guys signed to bargain bin deals for a while. But um, I don't think that takes away what Bergeron has done for – this team, this city, this community, you know, beyond the fact that one, 
they also did win a Stanley Cup, which like yes, again, people Finner's seem to forget that. It, it's one of those things where it's you look at all these players who have accomplished so much and how much it, it matters to win a championship and how I think you look back at other players who maybe had shorter tenures but had you know, great stops here in Boston uh, and, and where these guys kind of map out, you know, it's, I don't know, look at Mookie Betts and what he did in his short time with the Red Sox, like wins a world series, like validates it, right? Like guys who've been there for longer, like Paul Pierce for the Celtics validated by winning a championship. Like as, as much as you could make the argument that like uh, Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett and those guys probably should have won another one. Like they probably should have won an 09 should have beat the Lakers in game seven in 2010. Like, is that taking away from what they did? Like they they are still, uh, you know, have entrenched themselves in a very historic franchise that has a lot of impact star Hall of Fame players. And uh, for what Bergeron did, not just on the ice, but you know how important he was off of it uh, in terms of I think when people look at what he represented, I think the first thing that comes to mind is like class, right? In terms of uh, you know setting the tone in that locker room, being accountable accessible, inclusive for his teammates. You know, uh, you know, he's a guy who didn't say much at times, but when he did, you know, a lot of people listened. Um, you know, seemed to always have a really good pulse in terms of how to approach things, how to talk to his teammates, all those things. It's things that I think probably people take for granted, but I think is you know, it's kind of you you kind of said it earlier, Evan, where people started to give him more respect and, you know, is more out in the open in terms of how much of an impactful force he was on and off the ice. And uh, I feel like you could talk to not just people in the Bruins locker room, but guys across the league in terms of how personable, caring, uh, accessible a guy like Bergeron was. And I think that speaks volumes in terms of just the the player, but especially the person he was. So yeah, so you can look at the look at the trophies, the banners, all those things, which again, he did win one, like <laughs> most importantly. But um for what you know his impact is for the, for this team, and you said it earlier, like it's ideally gonna live on in terms of the culture and the foundation he's built. It's going to be carried on by guys like Marchand and younger guys like McAvoy, Pasternak, and kind of that next wave. Like, even though he's no longer there uh, on the ice, like his impact, I think, is going to be felt for a long, long time. Long time. And it's so interesting because I feel like, and and we can get into this, his most famous moment, the moment I think that everyone's going to remember him by, is ultimately not from that 2011 run, I don't think. Uh, you know, impactful, sure. You you can do the the two goals in Game Seven, hundred percent. But I think those two goals in Game Seven against Toronto uh, in 2013. I mean, that is as clutch as clutch is. The shot from the point goes through like five people <laughs> right to the top of the net, and then the the goal in uh, in you know in overtime where it's just kind of a shot from the outside. It, both goals, I think, kind of epitomize him. He was always in the right place at the right time, and he always did the right thing. And that shot from the point, I mean, you know, just a smart shot, a well-placed shot, and then that the goal uh, in overtime, just perfect perfect place, supporting the play, all that stuff. Um, I mean, do you have another play in mind that might, that might you know, top that? Yeah, I mean, that, that one's up there, as you said, like maybe doesn't ha- make the highlight reel, or at least, you know, as much as those two games – I think like that shorthanded goal hustle play in game seven in, in Vancouver is like a perfect encapsulation of what he provides in terms of hustle, uh, you know, shorthanded prowess, all the things pretty much ice that game, the very tail end of the second period. Um, it's one thing to, again, to be part of a team that, that wins a championship. But I mean, that is a, 
That is like a LeBron game six dagger performance in enemy yes. territory. He ate their lunch uh, in that game and uh, throughout that series. But that, that short uh, goal was wild too. Yeah. came in just, just like fended off defenders. Right yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Uh, and I think the other one, it's not even just a play, but I think it's that game six and, and playing through those amount of injuries. And he's a guy that as much as he's known for his, uh, you know, Compassion, communication, uh, those things. It's, you know, the will to win, to put yourself through that, to go right to the hospital after that game. I mean, it just uh, imagine kind of the whirlwind if game six doesn't end the way it does and knowing he's not going to be out there, but what he, he gave to bring that game back to the United Center in Chicago. Um, I mean, those are just all those things that you look at it and it's almost like you don't, you, you took it for granted at the end of it, right? Where there's so many times where I think Bergeron, I think it was in that Carolina series, Last year, where he takes that puck up high, gets hit, leaves the ice. It's almost like you expect him to be back, right? When he, you know, it's almost like every time you felt like the situation where he was going to get really banged up, you knew he was going to fight through it uh, and see, you know, what he had out there. And he kind of mentioned that in his retirement press conference that he left everything out there. And you look at what he did to try to, you know, win that other cup in 2013. I don't know how you can really kind of dis- dispel that narrative for all he kind of put himself through to help about this team that uh you know he kind of considered his his home his whole career yeah i i I think you're right about the whole um one cup is more than enough thing because you just look at the six selkies and i mean the consistency that that they had in his time here i mean the only bad year was 0607 i think or and and 0506 um and you know everyone stunk everyone that was not him that was nothing to do with him and every other year they were, you know, at least in contention. Uh, they, I think the only, uh, other than those two years, correct me if I'm wrong, the only two years they missed the playoffs were 14, 15, 15, 16. And those were like, came down to the last couple of games day. of the regular season, right? Like, so right. again, I, I just, it, just a winner and a competitor. And, you know, a lot of kids in, in coming up the ranks, look up to certain guys. I, I don't know how you can't look up to Patrice, Patrice Bergeron. What's funny is a lot of the local kids around here, if you ask them and they're forwards, who do you look up to? Who what who do you model your game after? It is 99 times out of 100 Patrice Bergeron, which I think is a very good thing. Um, just yes. the way he plays the game, the class he brings um, and all that. The other moment that came to mind, and it's a regular season moment, so I guess it doesn't matter as much. But uh, do you remember? I think it was 2010. Uh, they were on a power play and the puck got sent down towards their uh, or they weren't on a power play. They were they it was a delayed penalty. Uh, the goalie went to the bench. Shot goes off the boards. Bergeron's last one back and prevented it from going in the open net oh, yeah. on the goal yeah. line. That's the other, you know, just the hustle. Yeah. I mean, you know, just, you know, again, a lot of hustle, a lot of heart um, with that. There's so much we could say about Bergeron and we will in the future. Um, and we've said a lot already, uh, but the Bruins must go on. The Bruins must go on. Unfortunately, they must still play this season, which is ridiculous. I can't believe they, they should be able to take the season off. Um, but the real question, what's funny is Connor on Bruins beat, we discussed this and I think we sure did. I don't, I don't think it went up on YouTube, but I know it's out on audio. So people on audio are probably like, why is this up? You know, if he's retiring anyway, well, it was recorded Monday. And I just said, we need to do some topic and, and this is what we'll do. I promise it was somewhat random. Um, are they still contenders? Hmm. Contenders. Uh, right now, I think the, the prevailing kind of sentiment that I think we've both shared uh, over the last couple of months is if Bergeron's back, I think you're hovering around 100 points and you're right in the mix. Without him, 
90, 95. And like, I think you're in the picture, right? Like I, I, are they a top flight contender? No, but I think you still have a foundation and a base that if you look at just the formula for how you can kind of punch your ticket to the playoffs, still have a very, very good defense, uh, a very, very good goaltending situation. They have enough personnel in place to gut out and grind out points that I still think they're going to be in the mix. Um, but you need to also have a lot go your way, and a lot of it revolves around the the center position, right? This is uh, we knew this was coming for a long time. Again, we don't know for sure if David Krejci is retiring, but I think that seems to be the prevailing thought that you're going to be now without Bergeron and Krejci uh, this upcoming year. So it's going to rely on guys to to step up, right? Like you've got a lot of talent, I think, on the wing, but if you're not having guys down the middle that can drive, play, and hold around on the other end of the ice. You're kind of rudderless in that spot, right? Like. Look at uh, the the Vegas Golden Knights for years and years, right? They had a lot of really talented uh, players on the wing, a lot of uh, talent all across the depth chart. Then have a lot of guys down the middle that could drive that play. And a guy like Eichel, things kind of just fall into place. I mean, that's one of the most important things of guys like Bergeron is just the domino effect of slotting guys into their proper roles. And it's going to, you know, whether it's a guy like Zaka stepping up, who, uh, you know, is due, I think, for a larger role anyway, Um is Charlie Coyle a top six center? We've kind of gone down this road before, and it's been up and down in terms of where he best fits in that spot. Is a guy like Morgan Geeky going to get a look where, you know, he's got good production over the limited minutes with Seattle, but maybe he has more to give. Uh, are we getting a surprise? Georgie Merkulov is Matthew Portra, who's either is stuck in this weird spot, right, where he's either going back to the OHL or he's going to the NHL. There's no in-between in terms of his age. So um, is he a guy that's going to get a significant run in the preseason to see if maybe he can stick if you give him, um, you know, really favorable teammates? Like, it's up in the air, but you need someone to hit, right? You either need uh, Coyle to take a big step forward, Zaka to step forward, uh, guys like that. You need younger players down the line to supplement the vacancies that are going to happen as a result of pushing guys up there as, uh, as well. So, you know, I think before we were looking at Bergeron came back, it's like, all right, is a guy like Lauko, you know, where is he going to fit into the lineup? He needs to hit wherever he is, whether it's on the third line now or the fourth line. If Frederick signs, he needs to drive play and be a guy that can be accountable in whatever role he is. Like, you need a, you need a lot to go your way, but um, it's going to be fascinating to see how it plays out. Because, again, you've got – I wouldn't say it's a safety net, but you have an area of, of your roster locked up in terms of the defense and the goaltending, and that should be good enough. But if you want to be a contender or you want to hover beyond the 90, 95 point range, we need some forwards, young and established guys to take a big step forward. And, you know, the onus is on them. The Bruins have been bailed out years and years from having guys like Berger and Krejci. Now let's see the next wave kind of step up and see what they got here. See, I think they are contenders for the wild card. <laughs> I okay. think that's, that's what I think they're contenders for. And, and, and we agree on this. I, I don't, you know, I think they're somewhere in the in the middle of, of those points that you mentioned. Uh, but you know what doesn't agree with us? FanDuel. Our friends at FanDuel would not. Uh, FanDuel has the Bruins right now tied for the second best odds in the Atlantic to win the Atlantic at plus 370, which is I don't think that's them being wrong because they're not. FanDuel can never be wrong. They're our good no. friends. Never, no. ever, ever, no. ever. But I think that's more an indictment on the Atlantic division, which I, we've said for a, a while now. It's not the power. I don't think it's going to be the powerhouse this year that it has been in past years. I mean, we've you can go on the list. The Lightning are older. They're not as deep. They've had so many runs. 
you know, when's it going to catch up to them? Uh, the Maple Leafs uh, don't have a goaltender and yes. on D continue to have like, you know, two and three defensemen be number one defenseman. And it's sort of like replacing a real number one in the aggregate, like bringing my money ball uh, jargon to the table. Uh, then you obviously have the, they have the Florida Panthers uh, in the fourth best odds senators. Uh, they have the Sabres low. Um, so again, like it's the, the road is open for the Bruins to, again, I, I don't, I'm not going to predict them to be a two or three just because again, I am not sold on your, whoever your number one center is, uh, or your, or your, or, your, you know, Zaka, I think Zaka will be fine as number two, but whoever your number one is, if it's Zaka or coil or whoever, um, I'm not completely sold on that. And what's also interesting is Stanley cup bets, uh, Stanley cup. They are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. They have the eighth best cup odds in the, in the league, which I, I just, to me, I, I think I'm not, again, I'm not sold on your, your, uh, your top six centers, unless Vegas knows something and there's like a trade coming, which again, I, I have no idea, but um, yeah, I don't predict them to be cup contenders right now um but you're right though in the sense that the goaltending is there if it stays the same until opening night the defense is there because you didn't you know if you know Swayman and Frederick come back under 5.4 million you know together you'll keep Grizzlick and Forbert so then you know you'll have what Grizzlick McAvoy uh Lindholm Carlo and Forbert and uh you know Shattenkirk great yeah, I mean that, that's, you, that's fine you more or less have the same defense before Orlov. Like if you want to swap out Clifton and Shattenkirk, but more or less the same defense that before the deadline, I think was what, 44, 8, and 5? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> was that it before the deadline? Yeah. Oh, yeah. those are bananas numbers. Um, but yeah, I, again, I don't I don't think they I don't uh, I don't think they're gonna be bad. I just think they're, you know, they were contending for the number one spot in the Atlantic with Bergeron. Now they're gonna be contending for a for a wild card spot. Um also, fortunately, that top 10 pick they or the, the pick they sent to Detroit is top 10 protected. So there is that in case something crazy happens. Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll have more on the Berge on 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 what they do next, how they kind of handle um, Bergeron's loss. And, you know, I, I you know, it's interesting. I was listening to the radio the other day and Felger mentioned uh, Morgan Geeky is potential number two center. And he mentioned your research, uh, your terrific data research as a reason why he might be able to fit in that number two spot. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm not sold on Morgan geeky being the number two center, but you know what, Connor Bergeron's retired. I am open to anything. You could put Ty Anderson at freaking number at the number one center spot. And I would say, you know what, let's try it out. Let's see those, what happens. Those centennial jerseys would be selling like crazy. Gold like hotcakes. Now, yes. <laughs> I mean, that that's the thing. It's, you know, it's kind of, Echoing what we said before, but the very least you go into this year now, one, the Bruins still have flexibility. You, you kind of touched on, I think, on Bruins beat. If things go haywire and a lot of guys don't hit and the young guys aren't ready, someone gets hurt, you have the flexibility to sell off assets at the deadline and get a better return than you would this season and still set yourself up to retool more aggressively this offseason, uh, next offseason. If they do great and they uh, make the playoffs and that point you let the dice kind of fall where they may. And if this team that has a lot of younger players step up and you've got a lot of big bodies that can kind of knock the way around to go on a deep run, you know, you have that option as well. Like there's no shortage of ways this season can play out, but as long as you're building towards 
hopefully next off season when you can really kind of uh, make a dent in terms of this, this cap flexibility you have, like at the very least, it's, it's what I keep on harping on. It's this year, you're at least going to finally get some answers on stuff. We always talk about Berger and Krejci are gone. What's going to, what's going to happen? Are young guys ready? What are Sweeney and Neely going to do when they don't have these top six guys in place so they can anchor their lineup around? We're about to find out. Can Pablo Zaka step up, uh, you know, 82 games? Charlie Coyle looked great in the playoffs when he's in top six role. Can he do it for 82 games? We'll see. Like, it's, you know, is the hype there as it was in March and April this past year? No, of course not. But it's not like this team is just pretty much putting up the white flag. Like, barring, again, who knows if we have another offseason trade or, or what have you. But even if they stand pat, there's still it's going to be fascinating to see just how many of these players thrust into new roles, uh, you know, how they run with it. We're about to find out a lot about the metal and makeup of a lot of different guys all across the lineup. It's going to be really interesting and I think fun to see how it all plays out. There's a lot of opportunity. There's a lot of opportunity. Uh, speaking of uh, good decisions and opportunity and metal, uh, Connor, what are you going to be doing over at Boston.com and the Globe that we can look forward to? Yeah, we're going to be covered uh, throughout this offseason, whether it's, again, any more trades, looking at now the lineup. Now that we know that Bergeron's on back, things start falling into place a little bit more in terms of prepping for the offseason or, or the rest of uh, the summer. So we'll have you covered every step of the way there. Also at Pat's training camp, albeit all the other big things that happen around the Boston sports world uh, this summer. So you can follow me wherever I am over at Boston.com. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can at Connor Ryan underscore 93. You can, you're going to be throwing touchdown passes and catching them and everything. I sure, I sure hope camp. not, Evan. I am sure hoping to see the videos. I'm hoping to see the videos. Uh, over at New England Hockey Journal. A lot of the top prospects in New England are about to uh, recruit or get recruited to colleges and uh, accept offers and it's gonna be very interesting stuff a lot of a couple future ntdp kids all that stuff so if you're interested in that go subscribe to new england hockey journal as well that's connor ryan evan marinovsky you poke the bear listeners try your best to have a great rest of your week (laughs) 